I'd like to share with you this story, this case um, about an ex-police officer who was convicted of rape. He was convicted of like 36 different offenses. Um, and I believe mainly it was rape um, where his victims, quote unquote victims, accused him of sexual assault, of specifically uh, demanding oral sex uh, while he pulled over um, women on duty. So he was a police officer in the city of Oklahoma City. And um, he was, there was one complaint against him, I guess in 2014. And what happened is they, um, the, the police investigators, I guess, took her complaint. They believed her. Um, and then they proceeded to look for more quote unquote victims of this one uh, investigator police investigator or police policeman. I don't know if he was an investigator or not. Uh, Look for more victims. Um, and apparently their methods included cold calling potential victims. Um, and then they brought 13 victims out in a, uh, a case against him. It went to trial and he was convicted um, on a lot of different counts and he got basically life in prison. He got 236 years, I believe, in prison in 2015. And um, the reason why I, 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 I had no idea about this case until today when I was searching for, you know, something about crime and this, ca- you know, this came up and it, it um, uh, the first thing that came up was just a clip, you know, where the victims are out there, you know, saying this is justice, um, yada, yada, yada. And of course, who is behind them, but none of the, none other than Benjamin Crump, attorney uh, Benjamin Crump, who's basically this, you know, quote unquote, civil rights attorney uh, for all these, you know, black on white cases, especially if it involves police. Uh, he's always, he's always at the scene. So my suspicion went up and I, my curiosity also went up because it's Benjamin Crump and I wanted to see, Hey, have I heard of this case? What is this about? Um, and I looked, you know, I looked it up further. Um, saw that Michelle Malkin did a, a, a very long series, an investigative report uh, on this particular case. And I would, I would recommend watching her, her video that she, her video, um, series that she did. I think she, she did. I watched part one and I had started to watch part two and I didn't, I hadn't finished it yet. Um, but she makes a pretty compelling case where she interviews the police officers who investigated, uh, Daniel Holtzclaw. She, uh, she, she went to, uh, interview not the not the person who did the dna sampling in this case but someone who does dna sampling for other cases and they explain the methods and and how they go about doing it and how it was different in this one case um yeah she talks to the family members of of the policeman um you know go it goes into his personal background 
and you know talks about the time period in which this case was brought talk talks about the the the, the monetary incentive you know doesn't specifically i don't think call out benjamin crump but but you know talks about the the blm movement around this time uh that this was right around you know the case of uh you know right after darren wilson right right after michael brown was shot um you know and then the black lives matter movement you know, really was, was full steam ahead at this point. It had really, you know, gotten off the ground and was really running. Um, so, you know, um, you, you, whenever there's a, there's a, um, accusation of rape, right? This is like a, he said, she said crime. And you, you really need, um, evidence to support an accusation like that. And we, we rely on objective evidence because it, it is, it could be a, he said, she said type case. And, um, you know, that's sort of why, not the only reason why, but you know, they, they used to, in the back in the day, they used to have chaperones, right. When people would date or whatever, it was a much more conservative society. Um, uh, just because um, it's really hard to prosecute a he said she said case. Now, now today we have you know uh, we can we can have DNA evidence right to prove certain things. Uh, you know, if there was a camera right that could could have been recording the the event, that would have been great. Uh, in this particular case, um, he wasn't wearing a body camera. And I think, you know, back, back then, I guess it wasn't required. Um, I don't know. I bet you, I bet you most police, police officers wear one now, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, that maybe some still don't have the budget for it, but with police officers being, you know, heavily scrutinized, um, I would think that, that to perform their duties, to feel comfortable performing their duties, they should, they should be definitely, you know, wearing a, a um, camera because it's so easy for anybody to want to, you know, retaliate and say that they, you know, maybe raped them and, you know, it maybe be a false accusation. Um, so not only with, so with, with, you know, accusations of rape, you really need to be able to prove it. I feel like there needs to be DNA evidence. There needs to be, and if, if not DNA evidence, there needs to be bruising. There needs to be a witness. Maybe there needs to be, there needs to be some additional evidence and just the word of the, of the victim. Right. Uh, because it's, it's just people lie, people lie all the time. Right. And especially when there's money on the table. So let's look at the motive for, for this, for, for these, you know, victims. Let's just talk about the first victim because there was a first the first victim, you know, quote unquote victim of Daniel H- Hotzclaw, uh, the police officer, she was a drug addict. Um, she had her license suspended. She was driving around on a suspended license. Um, she, uh, she was pulled over because she apparently swerved and he didn't even write her up. Apparently he, he wasn't even going to report, you know, that, uh, you know, I guess her alleged, well, I don't know what he would have gotten, gotten her on. Oh, he found when he, when he pulled her over, apparently he found, um, some illegal type of drug. Uh, but he, he decided to, to not report it. Right. So this woman, right. 
he kind of let her, her off, I'd say, but I guess she felt so uh, annoyed by, by being pulled over, right? Even though she's technically breaking the law by driving on a suspended license. Um, but she felt so annoyed that she went to the, to the, to the police um, office to report him that he did something to her. Now, is it possible that, that she is telling the truth? Um, I'm going to say no. I, I'm going to actually call it, you know, just, just by, you know, it was, it would be a very, very small, you know, possibility that this actually happened. And I, I can tell you that I 100% don't think it happened. Um, and they definitely didn't prove it, I don't think, with the evidence that they presented, right? Just, 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 just from me, you know, observing a, just a little bit of this case, right? Uh, makes you think, this this never happened. Um, so what do we have? You know, the officers should be really they should they should take people's statements down. Yes. If they accuse an officer of rape. Yeah. And look into it. Yes. Investigate it. Right. But that's not what happened here. Like, clearly, they were biased from the start. Clearly, they assumed he was guilty. These 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 initial officers that investigated this other officer, you know, that was you know part of their team. Um, they just believed the victim because Michelle Malkin asked uh, one of the investigators, hey, did you believe her when she told you the story? And she said, yeah, I had a bad feeling. Well, a bad feeling, uh, that doesn't prove anything. This, this, this woman seriously should never have been hired to be on the force. Um, that's just my opinion. But, you know, you have to be a little bit skeptical, you know, when you're investigating charges of rape, especially against an officer. Why? Well, because certain people feel resent, resentful for being pulled over, you know, so they're already mad at the police, they're anti-authority, uh, they're, they're mad at the system. He happened to be white slash Asian, he was actually half white, half Japanese, uh, so and the woman was black, so she's probably pissed off about his race. She probably hates him for being white or Asian. Um, and she sees dollar signs. She sees, hey, if I can, this is why black people love, love, love to accuse um, not just private citizens, but actually police, police officers. Because technically police officers work for the city and they see dollar signs because a city is, is likely, I mean, there's precedent here. We see all kinds of settlements going on, right? Giving black people, you know, black, black, uh, relatives, um, uh, all kinds of money, 12 million in the, the Breonna Taylor case, right? For their black relatives, uh, that, that happened to be, you know, have a, you know, adverse, let's just say experience with, um, with police. So there's, there's a motivation, there's hatred against the race. There's, there's, there's a motivation for resentment. There's motivation for revenge. There's motivation for dollar signs, right? You know, and Benjamin Crump, he doesn't get involved unless he knows that there's, there's a good chance there's going to be a lot of money thrown at his victim's, victim's way. So they really first want the criminal um, conviction because if they get the criminal conviction, Benjamin Crump then can go after the city in a civil manner, right, to get money for these victims. So they don't, you know, I'm sure that Benjamin Crump would still try to go after the city, even if he was exonerated, even if he, you know, 
uh, wasn't convicted, they'd probably still have still try to go after the city. I think that they might have a harder case because, you know, technically, um, well, I mean, technically, you know, civil civil court is easier. We don't have as high a burden of proof. But I mean, if you lose it at the criminal level, if you know, it might be harder to convince the city to uh, to just settle with you. What's what's interesting to me is a lot of these cases that are brought by like a Benjamin Crump going after the city, the city settles. Why are they settling? Right. Do they really think they're going to lose the case at trial? I mean, at least try to go to trial, at least try to go to trial and defend the city against these these charges. I mean, the city is just giving in to blacks everywhere. They're just saying, okay, we'll throw up our hands and we'll give these blacks a huge settlement. Like, let's let's actually have it go to court. I mean, who who is actually making these settlement decisions? Is it just a four, you know a group of four people sitting on a city board, right? Shouldn't shouldn't this be a decision that that more people have you know buy in over? You know, shouldn't this be a decision that should? I mean, the argument should be flushed out in court, in my opinion. This should in the taxpayers you know, should know what they're having to be, what they're having to pay for, right? Having to pay these settlements or the taxpayers asked directly, like, are you okay with paying, you know, these black, black people uh, who, you know, so have so-called family, you know, so-called victim members uh, of the police misconduct? Like, are you okay paying that? I mean, this is sort of an outrage that the city would settle at all. I mean, they're always supposed to represent, you know, the taxpayer, and the taxpayer doesn't want to have to fork over, you know, $12 million in Breonna Taylor's case. But back to this case, this is such a crazy case. And I just saw, you know, I, after I heard about this case, there was this article that was published this year, like I think March 2022. And it said, you know, uh, these 13 so-called victims of Daniel uh, Holtz Claw um, rejected the city's offer for a settlement. So the city in this case has offered them money. You know, I guess it just wasn't enough because it's never enough. Let's just face it. It's never enough for black people. Right. And, and I don't think this guy is guilty of these crimes. So they had this one case, their whole, their whole trial rested, I guess, on this one particular case, or it started with this one case where this woman I just told you about, she accused him of, of telling her, you know, uh, of, of apparently zipping down his pants and, and telling her to give him oral sex or else, you know, uh, he'll shoot her or something. And uh, she said it lasted for 10 seconds or something. Um, I think that's her claim. Now, she's apparently changed her story many times. And um, she's an older woman. Like, so this police officer was young, fit. He was in his 20s. And she was like, I don't know, in her 40s and not very attractive looking, right? And this police officer had a girlfriend. But, you know, a lot of people will say, well, rape is about power. Um, I, I do concede that. But, I mean, I, you know, it is possible that police, police officers abuse their power, right? Um, but it's just, it's... <sighs> It's just, it's unlikely. Now, yes, it could occur. But what I'm saying is it's unlikely is what this means is that it's unlikely to even occur, number one. Number two, 
the victims have, or this victim had a really strong motive. I just told you all the motives that this victim had to lie, right? Um, and they, they're an unreliable witness. They, they changed their story. Um, and the police investigators, they didn't even record her statements. I mean, there they lost the recordings, right? They probably did so on purpose because she was so terrible right when she gave her statement. Um, there was a lot of police, I think, mis misconduct in handling this case. Uh, just an incredible amount of misconduct, I think. And this interview that they chose to give with Michelle Malkin, I think, is a smoking gun. It sort of proves that they were just uh, incompetent people and, and had a bias, uh, clearly out to get this guy. Uh, maybe they didn't like him. Who knows? I don't know. But clearly, this was this was just a railroading of this this poor guy. I feel bad for him. Um, so apparently they got 13 other people to come forward who were also quite unreliable, you know, Vic, you know, uh, in making statements. Um, and somehow this, a jury, you know, somehow a jury in 2015 uh, convicted him, you know, I don't know who was on this jury, right? I don't know if they released the statistics of the, the, the race and the, the, the gender, right? But this was when, um, you know, everyone was just believing black people. You know, I, I never believed black, black people even back then, right? Never fell for that. But a lot of people do, did, right? They just, they fall for it. They, they fall for this act. They fall for the lies. They fall for Benjamin Crump, right? The whole, the whole BLM, you know, industrial complex. They fall for all of this bullshit, Right. And you just have to ask yourself, what planet do these people live on? And, and why do the, you know, these people are just irrational. And um, it's, it's just super sad that you have this cop that, uh, you know, was giving his life, serving, protecting, um, trying to uphold the law, trying to do, do this community good. And he was apparently assigned to, you know, a black neighborhood that was really rough. Okay. Um, and he, you know, that he was described as an aggressive cop, but fair. Like, so he wasn't afraid to, you know, pat someone down or do his job. But in a, in a, in a you know, tough black neighborhood, you need, you need, I mean, that's what's needed is you need tough policing. But, right, but he, he, um, Unfortunately, now, you know, that's not going to happen because now um, back then in 2015, I guess BLM was still new. There weren't that many cases that had been brought just yet, like it was picking up steam. Um, but now I, I would think that most police, if you're a police officer, you're definitely aware of the political environment. You're aware of, of black people, right? Of black people always wanting to get, you know, not, not all black people, but a lot of black people who hate authority, right? Who hate the police, who hate white people, who hate Asian people, right? Who hate um, the rule of law, right? Who hate anyone that might stop them and get in their way. Um, they hate them and they, they are willing to lie. They are willing to lie and put someone in jail for the rest of his life because they feel spite, because they feel hatred, they're willing to make up rape stories about people, about someone, and put them behind bars for the rest of their life, right? I think that they would do it even if they didn't get any money, right? But there's also money on the table here because they can sue the city. 
but so that's an added benefit for these black people. Um, they are willing to, to do despicable things. This is despicable in my, my opinion, lying, putting, you know, putting someone else in jail for the rest of their life with your lies. I mean, so technically they lied and then, you know, that he had a trial, right? And this trial, this, this jury convicted him. So the people, the victims, I don't, I don't really blame the conviction on the victims because they didn't, they weren't part of the jury. Right. But they, if they lied and made false reports of rape, which I think they did, they do have a hand right in, in the, in this, the consequences that occurred, which is, you know, other people believed their lies. And then he was convicted and sentenced to 236 years in jail. And let me just, just point out to uh, the sentencing they really wanted to put this guy away for life. I think that's why they accumulated so many of these, you know, I, I would like to consider, you know, false reports. I haven't gone into all of them, but, um, you know, if you just see Benjamin Crump behind some black people, you, you pretty much know, you know, uh, it's a false story. I mean, uh, in my opinion, it's all false. Yeah. So black people don't really understand. I don't think the, the boy who cried, cried wolf story, you know, maybe they should go look that up. But uh, in my default, I don't believe any black person's story by default. Now, until proven otherwise, until there's additional evidence that actually proves what they're saying is true. Right. So if I see Benjamin Crump, if I see a bunch of black people accusing somebody of doing something, a police officer, my immediate response is to default to I don't believe anything that comes out of their mouth. Right. Let's let's see the rape kit. Let's see. Let's see the physical evidence. Let's see a camera that, that shows, you know, exactly what happened uh, and, and not just a part of it. Right. I want the whole whole picture of the whole story I want the whole context. Um, so there could be a really bad white cop out there that might that might rape, a, you know, somebody who he pulls over a black woman. Right. And, and, and Benjamin Crump might take the case, but. You know, until I, I see more physical evidence, right, until there's more evidence to prove it, I would still default to this is probably untrue. Probably. Like, it's an estimate. I'm not saying it's definitely untrue. I'm just saying that that's my default assumption, you know, until proven otherwise, right? Um, because most time, you know, look at, you know, I'd like, I wonder if there's a site that catalogs every single case that Benjamin Crump has been on or that's stat on. And then, you know, someone who does an analysis and says, okay, look, all of these are probably false. I mean, I guess that wouldn't be very objective. That'd be, you know, a subjective opinion. But I really, I wonder, you know, if, if somebody was all knowing, like if somebody really knew the truth of each, of each claim, I wonder what it really would be because the truth is out there. I mean, we, so we not, we may not be able to know, right. Who, if it's a he said, she said, right, and and really what happened, but but in some objective sense, like there is a truth out there, and I wonder with each Benjamin Crump case that he takes, what it, what is the truth to fa- to false ratio? Like how many cases are they were they really just lying, right, lying for money, or or to put someone behind bars because they're resentful because they're hateful. Right, because they want to to extract their own type of revenge against you know a race of people, white people, Asian people, 
and against just anti-authority, right? They don't like the police. Um, I wonder what that number would be. And I would, I would predict that it's probably, I don't know, maybe like, I would bet it's like 90% plus false, right? Lies, just flat, maybe even higher than that. Just flat out lies. What they're saying is completely untrue. Um, so what, how is this case instructive? I mean, it's infuriating because a lot of black people who murder don't get 236 years in prison. Now, I realize that the, the counts of rape that he was charged and convicted with are like adding up. Um, but I, it feels like they just went out and got 13 people to lie so that they could put him in jail for the rest of his life. Um, so when, when Michelle Malkin talks about the DNA evidence, she talks about how they, uh, they found DNA, her DNA on, on his pants, I, I believe, and that they didn't, they didn't take his underwear, uh, but, but they didn't, um, they didn't analyze it, where the DNA came from. Was it like, you know, you, apparently you can, you know, you can tell from the cells, you know, did it come from saliva? You can do tests to do this. You, did it come from like a, you know, vaginal source? I mean, where, where, where did this DNA that apparently was the victims, where did it come from? They didn't do that, you know, and she, she claimed that, you know, he forced her to do oral sex on him. Uh, so you'd say, well, it's probably from a saliva. It's probably, it might be a saliva cell. Well, they didn't do that. They didn't analyze it. But the point is, is that, um, they could have, and they didn't. And also, um, other, other, other people that he had pulled over that day, apparently the DNA was on his pants too. So the police officer, right, uh, looks at your insurance, right? Who, who, where you've touched it, you give it to him you know, the ID, same thing with that. Like, so skin cells can easily get on your hands and then, you know, maybe he wiped his hand on his pants. Like, so just saying that like her DNA was on his pants and that proves anything, right? I mean, it proves that there was contact, right? But it doesn't prove a sexual contact. It doesn't prove necessarily that that he, he forced her to perform oral sex on him. I mean, that doesn't prove that. Um so I feel like you would need more proof because there's a reason, there's a perfectly rational reason why any DNA would be on his, his pants of, of anybody that he, you know, uh, pats down or has to stop, right? Even if you don't touch the person, again, touching something they've touched, right? So pulling out your insurance card, pulling out your ID card, handing that to him, he, he's touching it, right? Her skin is on there. Right. So there's a there's a perfectly reasonable explanation of why her, you know, potentially just skin cell DNA or DNA period was on his pants. You know, it doesn't prove rape. <laughs> um, now, if if you don't have the proof, you can't you, you shouldn't be able to convict, you know, uh, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, because there's doubt here in my mind. Um, she also changed her story. She also gave a different description of him. She said that he had blonde hair and his hair was, was, uh, black and brown. She also totally said that like, he was like a muscular guy. She said he was just a thick guy. I mean, I guess, I guess you might say thick for muscular. That's fine. But, but getting the hair wrong, 
right? And then, you know, just her unreliability, uh, her criminal history. She was driving, driving around without a license. I mean, um, she had drugs on her, right? She had illegal drugs on her at the time. Um, so, you know, how reliable is this witness? Right? I, I, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, and, and, and there would have to be a, a lot of proof here to really prove that this occurred because there's motivation for her to lie, right? There's lots of motivation again to, for her to lie. Um, So this is really sad for our country. I mean, we're putting, you know, putting people behind bars just because, you know, apparently, you know, we feel so bad for black people that we we all decided to believe black people all the time, apparently, right? Um, all of these cases make me believe blacks less, right? Make me inclined to believe their story less. Like once you look, I don't think, so the public is not really looking into these stories, but I think the public, if they were to look into these stories, they'd be like, this is just, just doesn't sound true. You know, it just doesn't add up. Right. Um, and so police, police officers have a really, um, big target on their backs. Right. And, and with the Brianna Taylor case, uh, you know, from the feds going on right now, police officers that weren't even on the scene are being charged, right. With, with somehow not being critical enough on a warrant right, that was used to go to her house, these people are being charged and they're facing uh, capital punishment. They're, they're facing technically execution. Um, they're facing, you know, decades in jail from other charges if they, you know, uh, get, are, are convicted um, in a federal court. Uh, so this, this country, if you're, if you're a police officer, especially if you're a white police officer, you probably have a little bit less, you have a lot less fear if you're a black police officer, but if you're a white or Asian police officer, you know, and you're not quitting or you're not moving to a city that, that is somewhat conservative, right. Or, or a rural, rural area. But what's crazy is this happened in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma, you know, now I get, I get it that the cities are more liberal, right. Oklahoma city, I don't know. I guess it's just a typical city probably in a red state and it's probably a liberal city in a red state, but it's still a red state. And you'd think that at least perhaps in these cities, they could at least lean more red than say a city like New York in a blue state. But, but even these cities like Oklahoma city, right? Where this occurred, even these cities in these supposedly red states, right? Are no good. I mean, they're still going to railroad you. There's this, this could happen. I mean, technically it could happen anywhere. Uh, but it's more likely to occur probably in a liberal, a liberal city than, than, than a non-liberal city. But let's face it, most cities today, uh, are, are liberal. Um, so this tells you it can happen anywhere. You're really, really scared if you're a white or Asian police officer. You would probably wear a body camera all the time. You know, and if I were a police officer, I wouldn't want to police certain neighborhoods or deal with certain people. What if they were to accuse me of something? You know, and, and if they're, if they happen to be black, they're immediately going to have the side of the media. They're immediately going to have the side of, you know, I guess the mainstream public. 
they're going to have Benjamin Crump potentially, right? Uh, the whole city might, you know, the city staff might go against you. The rest of the police officers might throw you under the bus. I mean, they can just accuse you of something and it can be a total lie and you won't get a fair trial. You, the justice system won't work for you. There's a potential, there's a really high chance that it won't work for you, uh, which I believe is what happened in this particular case. It didn't work for him because of the climate, because of the mood, right? Because of BLM, because of black, most black people's sympathies. Um, you know, this isn't good for race relations, right? Because no white police officer or Asian police officer is going to want to ever respond to a black person's call for help. Legitimately, there's a rational reason why white and Asian police officers should, for their own personal safety and protection, avoid blacks at all costs, right? And technically they can. Why? Because police officers do not have a duty to help anyone. There was this case um, a while back about police officers in D.C. who, you know, they were at the right house. They just sat outside while this either burglary or, burglary or rape happened. And they just, they were there. They just didn't decide to engage. They didn't go inside. Um, they were sued and they were found innocent based on this idea that police officers are not compelled to assist, right? So this is what's coming, right? So we have high crime now and it's only going to get worse. I talked about the philosophy of crime and, and why, you know, I tend to agree with Leonard Peikoff's view on what makes a criminal sort of our culture. It's the ideas in their head. It's the philosophy that they hold. Right. And we're, we are in a culture right now of producing just uh, a ripe, a ripe culture for, for creating more and more criminals in the future. Right. So we're in the, we're in this country where there's already crime right now is exploding. It's going to probably get worse in the future and race relations are going down the toilet at the same time. I mean, they've been bad for a while, but they're, they're escalating and getting worse. You know, blacks are demanding reparations. Blacks are calling the entire, you know, all white people racist. Blacks are saying, you know, that, that it's systemic racism uh, and that everyone's at fault. This is our, our society is at fault, right? So everything is getting worse. CRT in schools, at the same time, police officers who it's their duty to respond to, to help. Now, a lot of people say, well, they only help after the fact. Well, that's, that can be true. And it's probably going to be even more true. Like sometimes they did, they do get there in time and they do assist and they do help the victim, right? While there's the crime is in progress. That does happen. I mean, that does happen. Maybe it's more rare today with less police officers able to respond, but it does happen. It does happen quite a bit. I mean, there's all kinds of cases where they're, they're there, you know, while the crime is occurring or whatever, they're able to help. Um, but, but say goodbye to that, right? Because they're going to be afraid to go into that house, not knowing, you know, well, what's the race of the suspect, right? And I need to be really cautious if it's a black person, um, you know, or the fact that a lot of blacks will call the police, not a lot, but there are cases of this occurring. And it's just, they're just entrapping the police. They've set a little trap. They call for help. They, the police respond and then they shoot them. I mean, this happens quite a bit, actually. Um, now it's probably rare, you know, percentage wise to all, all the calls that come from black people that really want help, but it does happen, right? So they can, they can kind of know basically the race of probably the person they're responding to 
No, an estimate would be the neighborhood where the call is coming from. Maybe they hear the voice of the person calling. Maybe I don't know if they 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 get relayed the call. Maybe, uh, probably. Uh, so they can tell maybe from the voice or or the type of problem that might be occurring. You know, carjacking or I mean, no one knows for certainty, but you can have a guess. You can have an estimate of what the race might be. Uh, and I I I think that that these police officers have, have no real duty, right? If their own police force is going to throw them under the bus, if, if most blacks in general despise them, right? Or at least the vocal ones do. And, and, this, and the ones being silent who really want the police, right? I always hear Heather McDonald talking about how she's always interviewing like blacks that actually want more police. Well, their voices are being crowded out by their black leaders. So, you know, if that's a large constituent, they need to get the rest of their people in line. Now, I don't know how they can go about really doing that, but, you know, but if the loudest voices are speaking and they're a minority, you know, somehow uh, that's a problem with the black, you know, in the black community, right? I don't know how to fix that problem, but, you know, from what I can see, the loudest among them, you know, don't like the police. They want to defund the police. Um, so, I don't know if it's already happening, but maybe black police officers can be the ones that respond to black people's calls. You know, unfortunately, that's the way we're going in this country. And it's, it's, I guess it's a form of almost segregation in a way that, that, that uh, the black people, you know, can, you know, uh, the only people that want to respond to black people's calls for help, you know, uh, for police help potentially are their black officers because, the white ones are too afraid to go there. They're too afraid of what might happen, you know, if some, you know, there's a, there's a altercation or there's a false accusation of, of rape or, or whatever. I mean, anything could happen. Maybe they, maybe there's somebody that shoots at them. Uh, right. Maybe they have, they try to defend themselves and, and they get shot at and then they shoot back and the perp dies. I mean, there's, there's, there's a million things can, that can go wrong uh, for you. And what, what, like, what is the reward for you? Oh, you help this one person, but there's a lot of people that need help, right? And it's just not worth it. You don't even really get a thank you from this, from the community or from most of them. So what, why, why would a police officer who puts their, their life in line, you know, their life on the line every time that they go and put on a badge and, you know, try to protect and serve, that's their motto. And I'm talking about most police officers. Yeah, I'm sure there's some bad ones out there. And it's getting worse. The, the, you know, they may not be be bad people and commit crimes, but they're not going to be good. Good, like they're not going to be good at their job. They're not going to care, right? Because no one, nobody good wants to be a police officer anymore. It's not respected. There's too many risks. There's not enough rewards. It's just too dangerous of a job legally, and just you know, you might be killed. I mean, no one wants to be a police officer. You're going to get worse and worse people. You know, quality people. You know. Maybe not with good character, you know, so maybe some people will come onto the force that, you know, do abuse their power, right? More and more people probably uh, are going to come, come, you know, who, who's going to want to be a police officer? Well, I guess people that need the job, um, you know, they're going to have to lower their standards. They're going to have to dig deeper for, for more people, um, I suppose, or they'll just defund it and, and there won't be any police. I mean, so either way, we're all kind of screwed in this country. I mean, if it's not already happening, I wonder if any police force 
this would be an interesting research question to to look into. Which police which police forces have actually segregated by race, where only the black officers respond to the black areas? Right? Is that a thing yet, or would that be you know that might actually be considered a civil rights or, or against the law because technically it's a federal it's a government service and you're not supposed to um, you're not supposed to you know hand out services by race or assign by race necessarily to well it, would it be against the law I mean maybe if it was voluntary volunteer like by maybe if it was just a volunteer program where where you had okay hey i'm a white guy i'm on the force i only want to go to the white areas respond to the white areas maybe they would allow that because technically if you don't if you can't be compelled to help anybody you know there'd be a white officer assigned to an area and he just wouldn't really do much he'd just sit in his car if he's in a black area not not responding to the calls versus if he got assigned to a white area maybe he might actually get out of his car and, and respond. You know, maybe that that would be his choice. And so the the department would just learn, hey, this guy, he doesn't like doing this area, obviously, we're not, not gonna assign him here because it's just kind of a waste. So I think it could be totally voluntary where they don't even have a set guideline by race. Well, they don't even have to say, hey, we're gonna have all the black officers just do the black area and all the white officers can do the white area. <clears throat> to the extent too that you sometimes you you know you're in a mixed neighborhood too you don't know um you never know you, the race of the caller really but in general you know there are there are areas of town that are you know completely black really i mean and then areas that are like have hardly any blacks so i mean <clears throat> now would that be considered some kind of weird government uh um uh, racial program type thing where they're discriminating by race. I mean, I think it would be hard to, pr I think if they had to just a set law, like in their code, you know, maybe you could challenge it. But if, if you, if, you know, if it's just, this is how the cookie crumbles type thing, where it's sort of an unspoken rule, I don't think you could go after them because uh, again, you can't compel a police officer to help anybody uh, even if you know, they're responding and then they look at the race of the person, they're like, I'm not going to deal with this individual. He's a black guy and I don't want to have a, have any trouble. So you can't force him to actually help you. So it could just happen by default like that. Now, this isn't great for our country at all. Like, I don't like the fact that white police officers are thinking to themselves, you know, I don't want to deal with any kind of black person because I could be entrapped, right? They could be lie. Uh, they could lie about what I did. Uh, you know, they could shoot at me or try to shoot at me and I defend myself and I shoot back and kill them. And then, you know, my life is ruined. I mean, there's no way to fix this. The only way to fix this is is for most black people to go back. And I don't know if they, they could ever go back. I mean, what do you go back to? I mean, we've had race problems in this country for a long time. And what are you, you going to go back to? Like, when was there a good time pre-BLM? Pre I mean, were blacks ever okay with being stopped by police? Were they ever okay with white police officers stopping them? Right? Or were they always a little bit pissed off? I think probably always a little bit pissed off. Maybe it's not as bad as it is as it is today. But yeah, what are you going to go back to? I mean, I don't think there's anything to go back to. So, um, 
you know, and unfortunately, if, 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 if people are not, if the police are not cracking down on crime in black neighborhoods, they're just going to let, let it go wild, right? The good, the good innocent blacks, right? Which Heather McDonald always points out want more police. Well, they're going to suffer because there's not going to be, well, the, there's not going to be any police that go there. Maybe they're maybe just black police officers. There's just going to be less of a resp- response there. So those areas are going to get worse and more innocent blacks will be victimized by the criminal blacks that aren't stopped. And unfortunately, those neighborhoods will just continue to deteriorate. And guess what's that that's going to do? If, if those, you know, highly dominant black areas, right? You know, I'm thinking, you know, densely black, but, but it could be just 60% black or, or, you know, 70% black and, and the rest, you know, non-black. I mean, what is, what's going to happen to these neighborhoods to, to the extent that, that these whites can get out of these, these neighborhoods, which they probably can't if they're living in like, you know, 60% black areas, whites and Hispanics, they probably can't get out. They probably would have already left, but maybe they'll, they'll figure, they'll find something. They'll fit, they'll figure out something, some way to move. Maybe it'll be more of an incentive to move, right. To get out, right. To maybe move across town. Maybe there's another neighborhood that they can afford. That's just across town. Maybe they'll move States. Who knows? Right. It could get so bad that people just, you know, maybe, maybe they feel like they can't move or there's, there's not really a better neighborhood to move to, but if it gets so bad, right. If it gets so bad, just intolerable, you know, they'll figure it out. Like maybe they'll move across the country. Who knows? Uh, but it could happen. And it's probably going to happen because, um, so that means that there's going to be more voluntary segregation between neighborhoods. It's going to be these neighborhoods and these black areas are going to become way, way worse. The more, more crimes, more, more, uh, crimes because there's going to be less police, you know, presence there. Uh, and, um, and the result of, you know, I guess the result of that is just more white people are going to avoid these areas of town that, that, you know, where there's high numbers of blacks because any, anytime there's high numbers of blacks, they're going to say, look, the police aren't going to come here or they're not going to respond. Even if I'm at a, even if you're at like a bar or maybe an event with lots of black people, you have to be aware they're like, hey, I mean, if there's something that happens here, maybe the maybe the police officers won't want to respond because they don't want to engage with black people, right? Because they don't want to take calls from blacks anymore who might, you know, uh, blow something out of proportion, fight back, right? Where where you know, uh, I have to defend myself. And I can't defend myself <laughs> because you know, or I do defend myself, but then it blows up into this whole case.